3-0 the Toronto Blue Jays starting this run of difficult games against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Houston Astros, Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair. Blue Jays talk. The numbers to call as always 416-870-0590, star 591-888-666-0590. Mr. Barker, a lot to talk about, but I want to talk about this Blue Jays core, including Alec Manoa, who is terrific tonight. Six innings pitched and one hit. Uh, The first pitcher, by the way, in Blue Jays history to allow zero earned runs in two of his first three career starts in the Bronx. That's whether it's old or new Yankee Stadium. Kevin, this team has won nine. This core group has won nine of 11 games in the Bronx. When I talk about this core group, I'm talking about Bo, Vladdy, uh, Manoa. This the, the, the guts of this Blue Jays team going back to last year. They've won 9 of 11 so far. Uh, we I know you've talked about the importance of being ready to go when the bright lights are on. You've talked about the importance, obviously, of not flinching when you're playing against other teams in the American League East. First of four games against the Yankees with Kikuchi going. I understand this series can be one game apiece when we're doing this in in 24 hours. But I'm looking at this team, Kevin. Bo Bichette did not have a great day at the plate. Had one of his best defensive games as a member of the Blue Jays. A, a key, key double play in the seventh inning. Uh, Alec Manoa, I mean, what can you say about him? He seems... He seems built for these occasions. George Springer comes through with a key hit. Teoscar Hernandez makes a nice defensive play. Jordan Romano comes in and and shuts the door. This this team likes the Bronx, don't they, Kevin? Yeah, well, I think the, the superstars for the Toronto Blue Jays embrace the brightest of lights. Uh, I think they have a better team all around than the Yankees. You know, I could come on here and say that, that Vladdy and nineteen Vladdy and Bo in 19 games last year hit 13 homers and what is it, about 26 RBIs. That's a lot, right? Combination, you're mm-hmm. getting some big hits. That's probably why the record was what it was. In, in the in the last few games, uh, they've gotten some decent pitching. Uh, you know, the one thing that stood out to me is they haven't had to face Luis Severino, who is an electric, high-octane right-handed pitcher. You know, when you don't have to face him after Garrett Cole in long periods of time and you're a dominant right-handed lineup, that tends to help a little bit too. But, you know, you mentioned it, that they play uh, some solid defense. They get some solid pitching, uh, and they run the bases really well. And, you know, again, I just – you know, we could, again, pick it every little thing, but bottom line is, for me anyway, when you look at the two teams last year and the start of this year, the Blue Jays are just better. They're better in all parts of the game. They run the bases better. They're more athletic. Uh, they get, uh, you know, their lineup is a little tougher to pitch to. Uh, you know, they what did they have? They had uh, six out of the ten hits they had tonight was with two strikes. They tend to get big hits when it matters the most. You know, your number nine hitter comes up, gets a couple hits with two strikes. Your leadoff hitter that you paid a ton of money to and brought here to get big-time hits in big-time spots, hits a home run, hits a double to right center. That's what it's all about, right? I'm not saying you're passing the baton, but you're getting big hits. You're bearing down when it matters the most to pass the baton to a better hitter, a guy that can, you know, get the big-time hit. And that's what the Blue Jays have been doing. They're just, for me anyway, they're a better team than the Yankees are. 
Let's talk about Alec Manoa, Kevin. Uh, look, looking at this game tonight, uh, he sails through the first inning, second inning, starts throwing his slider in the third inning, and runs in, into some trouble walking batters. Uh, if you look at the numbers, the slider was an issue for him. At one point, I think I said eight of his last 10 sliders that he threw, or at one point, eight of 10 sliders going into his last inning of work. That's what it was. They were, they were balls. Um, obviously, he righted the ship. Again, he got some great defense. He had a nine-pitch fifth inning that was just huge, just huge. That essentially, that essentially removed at least one reliever from the equation, that, that nine-pitch fifth inning that he got. Um, talk to me about that though. The, the, the fact that he, once he started incorporating the slider more, he started walking people because I know we talked about this during the show. You think there's a reason that he started throwing the slider after basically not using it for the first, what the first, uh, eight or so batters. Yeah, well, again, he threw 89 pitches. He threw, he threw 52 strikes. He faced 23 batters. He threw 12 strike ones. You know that that's not great. Uh, he had 17 swing and misses. That's, you know, that's pretty solid. Uh, what did he throw? He threw 15 changeups. He threw one changeup to a righty. That was to pop out to Giancarlo Stanton. He's trying to control bat speed there. You know, you could tell for whatever reason the the extension with the finish was spotty. That's why you mentioned the slider. The slider velocity. You have to look at that a little bit too. When he is really getting it out there you know he's a guy that's going to fall off he's a spin guy front foot hits the ground he's going to spin off buck talks about it pete walker talks about it a lot they're trying to get him to finish it and you could even see him tonight on a couple of pitches he would throw his arm way out to basically tell him get it out there you know i'm going to still because i'm a giant human i'm going to spin off but i can still finish it and sometimes when guys are having trouble Getting the finish out there, they try and get it back with a slider, and that's what you start. You started to see there. He was starting to throw more of them, and you could tell he didn't have his good mechanics because that velocity on the slider is all over the place. We saw 80 mm-hmm. miles an hour. We saw an 82 mile an hour. We saw some 85s. When that thing's really good, it's consistently 83, 84. He's bearing down on it all the time, and it's coming out of the fingers right. And you can almost bank on it that it's 83, 84 miles an hour. Velocity was all over the place, and then. You know, it's it's what I mentioned today on our show was he had moved on the rubber. You know, again, I mentioned the, the arm slot, and, and when the, he throws the sinker into righties, he wants that thing on the plate. That way it'll stay on the plate till the last minute, and then it bears in on the righties' hands. He did a decent job with that. The four-seamer was okay. It was elevated. You know, besides the 25-pitch the third inning where he walked – the three guys, you know, what he threw? He threw a four-pitch walk, the nine-hole hitter. He walked Rizzo on five pitches, and he walked Judge on five pitches. And then he, let, you know, he, he walked the leadoff hitter, too, in the fourth inning. He was struggling in that little spot there. Like, he had to, you know, make some good pitches when he had to do it. And, you know, I think a lot of it is get down to it. Sometimes you just have to go with me against you. I'm I'm going to stop messing around. I know I just don't have my best stuff for whatever reason. Mechanically, it's just not coming off the hands. It's not a good finish. I'm going to come right after you, and that's what he did. You know, he, he got a couple of nice defensive plays. The, the play that Bo made in the hole, the, the shortstop third base hole where he did the backhand, he threw it to first. That was a tremendous play to get him out of that big inning with the bases loaded. So did we expect anything different than from Alec Manoa? Well, I mentioned, I said this to you today. 
you know, there has to be a little bit of that. I can't wait to watch him pitch again. I can't wait to watch his next start. With well, the first three guys, you were going, ah, scratching, scratching your head going, yeah, you really don't know what you're going to get. How long is it going to take him to get back in a groove, you know, strike one and, and being efficient and action three pitches. Alec Manoa came out and did exactly what he was supposed to do. He took pressure off the bullpen. He t- took pressure off the manager and the pitching coach. And it's like you mentioned, he eliminated a bullpen arm. The, the less bullpen arms you go to, the, the, the better chance you got of one of them coming in that's bad. And that's, you know, that's what happened. You, you had guys coming out, and they threw strikes, and they got people out when they had to. So it's a nice win all the way around. They played good defense. They got hits when they had to. The bullpen was good enough, and Alec Manoa did exactly what we thought Alec Manoa was going to do. We have to talk about Bo and his defense. You talked about the play he made in the backhand. You talked about – Two double plays, one in the eighth, and uh, I'm sorry, one in the seventh, one in the ninth inning. The last, uh, the last helping Jordan Romano get his 26th uh, consecutive save, which is a which is a, a franchise record for the Blue Jays. the The one double play was was spectacular, kind of the the spinorama with with Santiago Espinal and our our good friend Josh Donaldson running. The bringer of rain, by the way, will be on Blair and Barker tomorrow. So I know I don't know what the forecast is for tomorrow, but it's going to be there'll be rain on 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 Blair and Barker around <laughs> around eleven forty or so, and we'll look forward to that discussion. But that double play by Bo, we've talked all spring about how Matt Chapman's presence at third base is going to take a lot of pressure off Bo. It's going to eliminate. Bo having to get to a lot of balls and Kevin I wonder if maybe the trickle down effect of this is not only is it going to eliminate the necessity of Bo going to his backhand a great deal it's just going to allow Bo to play shortstop the same way he hits with the confidence that doesn't you know, that doesn't interfere with the ability to make to make the routine play. And what I mean by that is just is having a sense of place as a shortstop and having a sense that if I know that area is taken care of, I can I can control this other part of the game. I don't have to worry about that, especially late in the game. I just think that almost that security blanket is going to be so huge for his development. Yeah, maybe too. And also, I don't know if you've noticed, but it looks like every time Santiago Espinal is playing second base, there's something going on there. Like it just, you know, it's a happy-go-lucky. You got this, I got that. We're going to take care of everything that's hit anywhere close to us. And that's a nice little combo. You know, Espy's going to be hard to take out of the lineup. The things he's well, doing, he two strikes. Got on the, base four the, times tonight, the bottom of the order. Scored yeah, two and he, runs. Exactly right. He's setting it up for the big boys up front. That's exactly what the, the bottom of the order is supposed to do. But de- defensively, that, that double play, somebody had to start it. You know, the, the footwork mm-hmm. that he had, the, the looking it into his glove, the leading with the throw. That's not an easy throw. You're basically a quarterback there, and you have to give him a nice soft throw. Too hard, it's not going to work. It's going to handcuff him. So you got to make that little nice, decent throw above the the belt which is exactly what Espinal did and then the 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 little you know dipsy do thing that that Bo did there with the turn mm-hmm. trying to generate you know stuff towards his target which is exactly what they talk about all the time Louis Rivera t- talks about that all the time is when Bo gets in trouble you know something's 
lacking behind when it comes to moving everything towards your target. You saw a right. couple of throws tonight where Vladdy had to come off the bag. That's yes, because he's not he's true. not following his throw. You know, you want everything with your momentum going towards your target, and that's why he was spinning. Is because it's easier to put a little bit more on that throw if he spins and just put his whole entire body into it instead of just running across and trying to throw across his body and have that little, you know, lollipop throw over there. So it's it's just – it looks better. Like the, the entire infield when Santiago Espinal's playing second, Matt Chapman's at third, and Bo's at short, and Vladdy's doing his thing at first. Are, are you scared when a ball's hitting the infield? I'm not. So I think no, that's – this is the most – I got to tell you, Bark, this is the most comfortable I've been with the Blue Jays infield, gosh, since going back to, well, going back to when J.D. was at third base. Two years ago? I, I don't know, however many years ago. I, I just it's know the most this, comfortable I feel. Whenever I was trying to play first base and you were having fun, you could see Vladdy whenever a, th- a throw's not made, you know, at his chest. He's picking on the guy going, hey, you do this all the time in, in batting practice. Hit me in the chest. Don't be afraid. <laughs> that that means everybody is, you know, taking up for their buddy. Get it close to me. I'm going to make the play for you. They have confidence in each other. Again, this is, you know, it, it gives everybody confidence. And, and most importantly, it gives the catcher confidence to throw the best pitch that that pitcher has because they know if the ball's on the ground, 99% of the time that guy's out. And that's that's a ton of confidence. And that's, quite frankly, how you win games on the road. You ask how they are winning in Yankee Stadium and against the Yankees, they play good defense. You, you yep. pitch good, you have good starting pitching, and you catch the balls you're supposed to catch, most of the time you're going to win those games. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. It is Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker. I've asked the question. Nine wins in 11 games at the Bronx for this core group of Blue Jays. Does that, does that mean something to you as a Blue Jays fan? I, listen, I understand that the road to the AL East title goes through Tampa as much as it goes through New York or Boston. Hell, it goes it goes more through Tampa than it does those other two teams, to my way of thinking. But the fact of the matter is there's still something special about beating the Yankees at Yankee Stadium and getting the type of game the Blue Jays got in order to do it. It's 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 hard to quantify, but when you are having a good season against the New York Yankees, you are really enhancing your chances of going places in the American League East. As much as, yes, the, the, the Rays and the Red Sox are obviously going concerns, I think it says something that this group seems to enjoy playing in the Bronx. They seem to play up to playing in the Bronx. It started tonight with Alec Manoa, who made his major league debut in the Bronx, and we all remember that particular game. So the numbers are 416-870-0590, star 591 590 Blue Jays talk again. This is your place to talk Blue Jays baseball. We're on the air till 1130 tonight. You got about an hour. If you're listening to us, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, B.C., the East Coast, wherever it is you want to call Manitoba, you might as well call because you're going to get belted with a historic snowstorm tomorrow. So you might as well just call and talk baseball, and you can do it again tomorrow night 
and you can do it again the night after that as well. Rob in Port Hope, you're on board with us when we talk about Bo and his defense. Oh, absolutely. And I think that putting that Chapman at third gives him the confidence that when he goes for the ball in the hole, he's not overcommitting himself to that his right side and not having a chance to get the guy at first. I think he knew he was going to get that guy when he came up throwing. And he put everything he had on it. That was one of the best throws I've ever seen him make go to that to his right. But I think that's part of it. And the other thing he said, you know, Jeff, you asked about, you know, Yankee Stadium, what is it with these young Jays? When they announced the schedule and, and Manoa was, we were told Manoa was going to pitch fourth in the rotation. I circled this game. I, I am definitely sitting and watching the whole game. And I'm glad I did. It was, it's, you know, it's, it's a, you, want to, you want to keep that game on your PVR because that's when you show up your coaching kid. This is how you pitch. And I thought, like you guys were saying, he made some good in-game adjustments. He was overcorking his slider. He adjusted to that. I thought Kirk called a great game as well. It was. I thought the two, I don't know if he calls all the pitches and all the situations, but he framed really well. He was stealing them strikes on that outside corner to the, to the right-handed batter. Uh, I, thought, I thought he looked great back there, as Buck was talking about during the broadcast, for a kid that never caught above a ball, to be able to handle what Manolo was throwing out there tonight. Uh, he's going to have to handle with you coming up with Jansen Hurt, but I got a lot of confidence in that kid as a game caller, way more than I had uh, based on what I saw early on. He's he's progressed. I don't know if it's spring training or what it was, but um, and I just had a question uh, like, like you sure. guys maybe speak to, and that's today they announced some some transactional changes, and maybe they weren't that important to most fans, but I was really disappointed to see the DFA Josh Palacios. I mean, this kid has done nothing but perform whenever they've asked him to. Uh, he's had a couple of home runs down with Buffalo, I think, in the first three games. Uh, he always has a good attitude. He never complains. I mean, sometimes you got to reward the kids. I don't know why they didn't call him up, put him on the 40-man, or leave him on the 40-man, call him up and let him DH tonight. You know, now they're going to need perhaps someone to give uh, Teoscar a day off if he hurt his wrist. I think that was a big mistake, DFAing Palacios, in favor of some guy that might help us out with the bat who went 0 for 3, struck out twice, popped out on one pitch like, to me, that sends the wrong signals to the kids, and I don't see the upgrade in Collins. So I just wanted to get your comment on that. Yeah, the you're, you're talking about the move to DFA, uh, Josh Palacios, part of a, a number of moves the Jays, the Jays made today. Danny Jansen, Kevin Barker, we'll talk about that left oblique injury. He's on the IL. Please tell me it had nothing to do with the swing and, and the standing more erect and all that that we were so lovingly talking about on Blair and Barker today and that you so exquisitely broke down all over social media. Please tell me that has nothing to do with Danny Jansen's left oblique injury. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't think so. I, you know, I think he's been doing that enough in, in the offseason and in spring training that his body's used to the, the different movements that, you know, now it's used to. It could have been from a take. It could have been from anything. I'm not real sure. It could have been a throw down to second base. It could have been a bunch of things that, that it was all about. But, you know, I, I, I'm with the caller. I, some, sometimes you, you know, Josh Palacios, exactly what is he? How can he help you? You know, is Zach Collins the answer? Yeah, well, I don't want I don't want to jump all over Zach Collins because he's a, he plays a different position. And right now with Danny Jansen on the shelf, you know, you're going to need some depth at that position, especially when you're DH and Kirk, right? Or, or you know, s- some form of, of how they're going to handle the, the catching situation. And, and now you add trying to add a couple of new catchers to the mix in season. I know it's early in the season, but these guys haven't caught any of these other pitchers. So how, how's that going to take shape? Well, Heineman's caught a lot of guys in spring training. 
Yeah, yeah, but it's different catching a guy in spring training than it is in Yankee Stadium or or against the yeah, Astros but, or you know when these guys are trying to get their their feet wet and and getting in flow is, and all these things. It's different. I know he's a veteran guy. He's been around a little while, putting the finger down, giving a big target. It's not the biggest of deals, but it's those moments whenever you know push comes to shove and you really got to get an out and that pitcher has to really trust in the catcher. Those are the moments for me is when Danny's going to be missed the most, but. Yeah, well, yep. here's the thing. Here's the reason the move the move was made. Um, you know, I mean, and we they also optioned Sacedo. Uh We mentioned they brought Heineman and K up. They 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 brought K up essentially to they, they need somebody who can possibly give them a little bit of length. And they had to DFA Palacios in order to create a spot in the forty man roster. Look, here's the thing about Josh Palacios. Josh Palacios has been given a couple of chances by this organization to contribute at the major league level. He hasn't been a regular. I get that. But he's a left-handed bat that can play good defense. The problem with Josh Palacios is the Jays right now have Rymel Tapia. They've got Bradley Zimmer who can play center field. Josh Palacios can't play center field the way Bradley Zimmer can play center field. There's no room for Josh Palacios, frankly, in this organization. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to bring him up. You're not going to bring the guy up to DH. There's no room for him in this organization. Yeah, it'd be great if you could hang on to everybody. And frankly, I think somebody might claim Josh Palacios because of his skill set. But they need they need every outfielder, or I should say they need their bench outfielders to be able to play center field more than they need them to play the corner fields. Here's the thing. If Teoscar goes down and gets hurt seriously, and we saw him roll the wrist tonight. He looked okay. He stayed in the game ahead in that bat. If something calamitous happens to Teoscar Hernandez, I'll have you right. I'll, I'll let you know right now. The plan will be to have somebody else play right field, and eventually, if it doesn't work out and this team's contending, they'll move George Springer to right field to have somebody else in center field. So, so that's where we are with that. I, I was surprised that Palacios was DFA'd, but. I can't say that I don't see the logic behind the move. Yeah, if you bring Palacios to the big leagues, he'd sit over there for three or four days. Is he a good enough player that he can do that? Is he in tune enough with mechanics? And, and it, can he do that and perform at the highest level, at the big league level on a contending team? I'm not real sure. So that's probably the reason. Is he a nice player? Yeah. But right now, I'm with you. You know, it's it's Zimmer, I think, is a better fit just because of the athleticism and the way he can play center. He's a better center center fielder than George Springer is. Let's, let's, defensively, defensively, he is a better yeah. – yeah, he is a better center fielder. So, you know, they're going to give – they're going to give George some, some DH days and, you know, they don't – I don't I don't think from what I've heard and for the, who I've talked to, they're not a huge fan of Tapia playing center field just because – you know, the route running, and, and he doesn't have the strongest of arms, which, you know, you you got to have a decent arm to play center field. So, you know, I think I think they got their their defense, and, and they're five guys in the outfield. Five sounds like a lot. You still got to figure out how you're going to find Tapia and Zimmer playing time. That That's going to be an issue, too, but I think they've been around long enough that they understand who they are, that, you know, if they don't play a couple of days in a row, they can come off and at least perform – at a decent level and give their team a, a, a decent chance to, to make some plays and have a quality at bat. 416-870-0590, star 591, 888-666-0590. The Blue Jays beat the New York Yankees 
three nothing tonight in the Bronx. Alec Manoa was terrific. Six innings pitched, one hit, seven strikeouts, four walks. He threw eighty nine pitches, fifty two strikes. As I mentioned, he had a nine pitch fifth inning that was huge. That essentially set things up for Charlie Montoyo, who could use the bull, bullpen. Trevor Richards came in, got in a little bit of trouble. Adam Simber came in, got some great defense behind him. And Jordan Romano comes in to finish it off, striking out Kyle Higashioka with uh, a man in first after yet another double play turned by the Toronto Blue Jays. Adam Simber, Kevin Barker, you've always talked about this, how it must be hell for a right-handed hitter. <laughs> to see that coming at you, especially late in a game when you've kind of been, you know, you've been, you've been geared up to face Alec Manoa, and here comes Adam Simber and flipping pie plates at you. Um, it was interesting, it, though. I thought oh. during this game too, Kevin, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Now we know that that Alejandro Kirk was using the pitch com system with Adam mm-hmm. Simber. And I'm beginning to think the Jays are doing this, not just because of the sign-stealing thing. I think tonight it was obvious that Aaron Judge was, was struggling with the pace of the game. We know Aaron Judge liked to con- likes to control us at bats. Aaron Judge has learned from Derek Jeter, right? You can st- when you're a Yankee, when you're in pinstripes, you can step out. You can basically do anything you want. The, the umpires, especially at Yankee Stadium, they're going to let you do whatever they want. I thought Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton looked awfully uncomfortable against Adam Simber, who was getting the getting the sign before he was even on the mound. Yeah, now give him credit. He was making some quality pitches. That down and away to a righty, doing it from the weird angle that he does it from, and his start, right? It's just that, that corkiness of the way he starts, and then he hides the ball really well, and then on top of it, he's locating down and away to a righty. And then you add to the mix that he's getting it going, getting it going, getting it going. Now, if you remember, we had John Snyder on, on our show, and I asked him, you know, what do hitters have – what have they been saying about that? And he said that they, in their advanced meetings, actually had conversations about, now make sure you hold your hand up to the umpire. Like, hold on a second. Let me get set before mm-hmm. that – that basically is telling that umpire and that catcher, you're waiting on me. It ain't the other way around. I don't care how soon you get that sign. You're waiting on me, so make sure you hold your hand up. And and you can tell I was with you. Judge looked like he was a little bit in a hurry. He was more thinking about getting set than he was hunting strikes. And Giancarlo Stanton looked like he was in between. Now, mm-hmm. the in-between part made it uh, had a little bit to do with Alec Manoa because Alec Manoa did a really good job of elevating sinkers in. He did throw the one change up to him trying to control bat speed. So he had him a little off balance. You could tell he's stepping in a bucket. Like, it's weird, a guy that's gotten off to this hot start the last couple of days, and the weird, like, you know, he would get it started, and then his front foot was, like, all weird, and his hands were all over the place. So he was out of sorts. But give him credit. They were making good pitches when they had to, and I'm with you. A little bit of that pitch calm is you can mess up some timing. Big parts of the game, don't be afraid to do it in a hurry. So you can get it quicker and go, get it quicker and go, and that will give a hitter something else to think about. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. We're here until 1130. It's Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Round ball towards the middle of the diamond. Flagged by Espinal. Beats behind him to Bichette for one. Pirouette to first. In time to get the out. What a play by the Blue Jays. Espinal in the middle of the diamond with the spear. 
and then threw it to the backside with Bo coming across the bag on a 360 strike to Vladdy. They retire this side and snuff out the Yankee rally in the seventh. What a play by Toronto in the middle of the diamond. Well, Bichette usually enjoys good nights at the plate at the Bronx. He was 0 for 5 with three strikeouts tonight, but uh, made three terrific defensive plays. That very much uh, one of them as the Blue Jays beat the Yankees 3 nothing to uh, open a four-game series. Second game of that series goes tomorrow night. First pitch will be at uh, around 7.05 from the Bronx. You're listening to Blue Jays Talks, served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. And while you're doing that, you can also call us on Blue Jays Talk, and the numbers are 416-870-0590, star 591 888 preferably not while you're eating one of those lovely, meaty, snacks Kevin we got to talk about George Springer who uh, had a big game offensively for the Blue Jays Uh, he has now been with the Blue Jays or he has now played in a little over half a season he's got 82 regular season games now with the Blue Jays there are 19 games over 500 I believe the number is with George Springer in the lineup I want to talk to you about George Springer and what we saw out of him today specifically that lead off at bat but I want to bring Sam and Hamilton in because Sam's making the case. And Sam, thanks for joining Barker and myself. You're making the case. You think George Springer uh, is, is underrated and is, being, and is being overlooked. Yeah, I do, absolutely. Because all we heard going into this year was Vladdy's going to win MVP, Vladdy's going to win MVP. And I do think Vladdy's going to win MVP. But don't forget, I mean, George Springer's won a World Series MVP. And it looks like right now, this season, looks like he can be in that conversation kind of maybe third like Marcus Simeon last year behind Vladdy and whoever finishes second well I'll tell you what he's you know the the thing with George with with George Springer Kevin is uh, I mean we always throw the caveat out there that it depends it it depends on health now you can say that for just about everybody but you know further to Sam's point you look at the key players on this team, and yeah, you don't want to lose any of them. Obviously, I don't even want to begin to think what a Vladdyless or Bowless Jays team would look like. But Kevin, they this lineup looks better and seems to work better with George Springer at the top. Yeah, I, well, look, it, it, if I'm a starting – I just look at it like this. If I'm a starting pitcher and the first game if I'm at home and George Springer walks to the plate, I better be on top of my game. I better be locating. That thing better be coming on my hand crisp. If it doesn't, he going to get it down and get it singing. He ain't scared to go up and ambush somebody, oh, oh, leading off a game. Jeff, you don't know how hard that is. Like, you know, it's – it's that. Every hitter you ever talk to, it's always the first at bat is the hardest one because you're trying to get your timing down. You want to see the release point. You want to see how hard the fastball looks. You want to see what he throws with two strikes. Hopefully you don't get just two strikes, but you want to know that. You just want to know what all the pitches look like. And for a guy to go up to be ready to hit like George Springer is, Sam made a great point. You could you could actually have four guys in a row for the Toronto Blue Jays that could be in that conversation. 
We mm-hmm. we rarely, if ever, talk about Teoscar Hernandez. Like, it, I mean, even when he he's great tonight. Like he was taking balls the other way. He made that great defensive play in the outfield when Trevor Richards, you know, walked the guy, gave up the base hit. Had to have that play. He made the play. Hopefully his wrist is okay. But we rarely, if ever, talk to him. You got four guys in a row in your lineup, and it's sort of booked in. Right, you you got Springer, you got Teoscar, and then you got the two frisky dudes that think they're two greatest players on planet Earth, running all over the place doing the things and having as much fun as they're having. It's it's electric stuff. That's what I that's what I mentioned. If if they can get some some on base percentage at the bottom of the order, like anything that I don't know if it's Santiago S, but I don't know if he's he's the answer. I don't know if he can maintain this an entire year. But right now, how do you take him out of the lineup? If I'm if I'm the manager, I don't. I leave him in there till he shows you you can't make adjustments in game or you know stops hitting balls hard it's 320 on base percentage you getting on base and then you turn it over to a guy like george springer right it's the first inning he can do the damage he does and then how big of a threat he is that he can use right center like he did that elevated fastball he hit a ball to right center the slider that that uh, tie on hung you go back like city on that so he can hurt you in many ways you know sam again makes a great point that you know he he continues to do these things, and if he plays 140-ish games, he's going to put up some serious numbers. Kevin, the bottom two spots in the order through four games have scored six runs. Now, that's not going to seem like a lot because of the number of runs the Jays have scored, but they've been on base a ton and in every game. I mean, I'm looking at this game. Now, Espinal got on base four times. Yesterday, Espinal got on base uh, I'm sorry, Biggio got in base. He was a pinch hitter. Jansen homered and doubled. The day before, Tapia gets on base in a fielder's choice. Uh, Espinal has a double. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going around. The game before that, Jansen, a walk, a home run, two runs scored. He was on base three times. Espinal was on base once. And this is, this is what we talk about, just ensuring that when George Springer comes up to the plate and when Bo comes up behind him, that there's a possibility of somebody being on base or being in scoring position. And, and, and you're going to see that you're going to see that cashed in more often than not with these guys. Yeah. Okay. I, I think you got to give a couple of people credit. I think you got to give the manager credit for making out the lineup the way he does by putting the catcher in the eighth spot and putting Espinal mm-hmm. or Biggio, somebody an on base guy who can see a few more pitches, try to get on base to turn the lineup over and can also score from first. That's a huge deal. When you got the nine hole hitters, got a little bit of speed and Springer comes up and goes, you know, lets the ball travel and goes right center. A guy can score from for some from uh, first base. That's a big deal. And then you tip your hat to the hitters. I, I think it's just a fact now early on here you're seeing guys are not trying to do anything that they can't do. Santiago Espinal is trying to get a good pitch to hit and be aggressive on it. He's got that little nice compact leg kick. It ain't kicking to his ear, you know, where he can't repeat that and get the foot down. It's just a nice little easy elevation of the of the leg. He gets it down in a hurry. He's very balanced. Everything's happening in the middle of his body, which is a big deal. That means he's seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand, and he's barreling up most balls that he swings at. That's a big deal. And then hopefully Danny Jansen's not out long. You know, I he gotten off to a good start, you can tell he's found some mojo 
and mojo's not always easy thing to maintain when you're not the greatest of hitters. And when you got a little bit of that mojo, you want to continue to have it as long as you can have it. So hopefully Danny gets back. They can keep the same lineup consistently for the most part on an everyday basis. And if they do that, they're going to score so many runs that we just can't come on here every day and talk about it, how many they're going to score because they're going to score tons of them. It's Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker. You can reach us at star 590 We are here until 1130. We've already had Sam call in to suggest that George Springer is underrated or being underlooked. I think that's probably a better way to mm-hmm. put it, that he's been underlooked. Do you feel that way? And I'll, I'll ask you the same question that, that – we talked about out of the gate. The Jays have won. This Jays core has won nine of eleven in the Bronx, including last year. Does that mean anything? Is 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 it is it a sign of something? How do you feel about it? Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety. And now it's time for the standings update, brought to you by Bet three six five the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide, 19 plus play responsibly Ontario only. As we take a look from the, or I should say at the American league East standings, Kevin Barker, Tampa Bay is three and one. They used Brett Phillips today pitching. Yeah. They lost Luis. They lost Luis. uh, It is. They lost Luis Patino early uh, with, with an oblique injury. But come on, yeah, yeah, you've got a, you got a gazillion pitchers on your. See, this is I don't. We're gonna we'll have this discussion. I don't think position players should be allowed to pitch. I don't we'll either. We'll have this now, discussion now, not, unless it's well, Shohei Otani. Well, now, now we've seen Brett Phillips. He throws ninety-five miles an hour, so I'm sure that's it's kind of funny. He's running out of the bullpen the way he yeah. is. But I'm with you. I, look, you you're a pitcher. You're a position player. You shouldn't be because you're trying to save a guy and you don't want to use yeah, him that's... because you want to use him tomorrow. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's just no, and me. I know it. There's no fun in it. No, I, I, I know it's I... like it's like the whole emergency goalie thing in hockey. Everybody laughs and thinks it's hilarious when you know they use the emergency goalie. Not really. If I paid a couple of hundred bucks, I don't really want to see some stiff come in and do you know do something he isn't capable of doing. Anyhow, it's just a bugaboo of mine. You've got all these pitchers. I don't think, and I, I don't know how you would. I don't know. Again, Shohei Otani is basically flouting that rule, but I, I just, I think that's silly. I really do think it's silly. And of course, the Rays will probably go on a six-game winning streak now because of that. Anyhow, the Rays are three and one. The Jays are three and one. The Yankees are two and two. The Orioles are one and three. The Boston Red Sox are one and three. And. Um, Yes, there's uh, those. Those are those are the American League East standings. Uh, I'll bring you all up to date again. The Jays and Yankees will play the second game of their four game series tomorrow night in the Bronx. All right, George Springer. I want to touch on a couple of at bats. The first at bat for George Springer, singles. I think it was just seven or eight pitches. Next at bat, Kevin Barker. He hits a home run. Now I think he probably saw the entire diet from Jamison Tyon right out of the gate in that first at bat. Does that help him in that second at bat? Yeah, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. You, you, you seen velocity, you know, how, uh, how quickly you got to get your front foot down, you know, how much you got to 
get the barrel out in front of the hitting zone, out in front of the plate. Uh, you know, he, he hits the he hits the single to left field on a fastball. He hits the, the, the hanging slider for a homer. He hits the double to right center. Look, he's – there's there's certain people that just probably don't need that because they're so aggressive and they understand who they are and they know where they want to, you know, have their barrel going to what place in, on the plate because he knows his body and, and his swing better than anybody else. So I think George is a little different animal when it comes to how much it will help him. But, yeah, it's not going to hurt because, you know, the, the two, two questions that I've always heard these guys ask is how hard they throw, what do they throw with two strikes. Now, it's a little different now because of how much they throw secondary pitches, and it's very hard because they rarely throw fastballs and fastball counts. They're pitching backwards a lot and how hard they throw. You know, they're emptying the tank as quick as they can. But it's never going to hurt a guy that the more pitches he sees, the more comfortable he gets that now I can let the ball travel a little bit more because I've seen the way it moves, how late it moves, how much life it's got, how hard it looks, all the things that go into making you a better hitter. The more you see it, the better chance you got of hitting it hard. And George is an elite hitter, and that's what happened. He he just you know he again he does things to baseballs that most people can't do, and that's that's what I said. If you're a starting pitcher in the first inning. And you're facing George Springer. You better get it ready. Like, you better be on top of your stuff. Because if you leave one on the middle of the plate, he's going to hammer it somewhere. Were you surprised that in the seventh inning, when the Jays scored their third run on on uh, Springer's double, were you surprised at the way the Yankees outfield was playing? I, I thought yeah, they'd not, be playing. Not... I, I thought, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just thought they'd be playing a little deeper. They looked awfully shallow to me, considering who was at the plate. Yeah, George Springer's a pull hitter. Most of the balls he hits hard is to the pull side. You know, he goes to right center on an elevated fastball. Not really. Right there, you know, you're 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 trying to do the best you can to cut balls off in the gap and get it in, not let the guy score. If a guy does hit a ball hard, just so happens that the pitch was in the right spot that Springer could let the ball travel, stay inside the ball, and hit it to right center. And, again, that's just a great piece of hitting. It's not so much of where the defense is playing. I think they're playing as much as analytics – go into every single pitch. I don't want to say it's every single at bat. It's every single pitch, the way they move guys around. You know, there's a bazillion khakis sitting around going, this is where you put George Springer against this guy because this is the way he throws and his bat path just so happens that he got an elevated heater, stayed inside it, and hit it to right center. 416-870-0590, star 590, It is Blue Jays talk with Blair and Barker. It is your chance all year long to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. A reminder that we will be on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360 tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern time. Josh Donaldson, the New York Yankees third baseman, the bringer of rain, cleanly shaven bringer of rain, I might add, will be one of our guests tomorrow along with Doug Glanville. So uh, it'll be a It'll be a terrific, terrific show. There'll be a lot of good baseball talk again. That's from 10 to noon Eastern. We'll be back again tomorrow with Blue Jays talk immediately following game two of this four-game series. George Springer had a home run. A couple of other hits. He spoke to Hazel May. George Springer provided all the offense on this night as uh, he's getting heckled 
by <laughs> the New York fans here. George, I want to first ask you about a couple of really nice defensive plays there in the seventh inning. You were charging hard there. You saw Teo go for that ball. Did you think he was going to get it? How difficult was that play? Oh, I mean, that's a, that, you know, that's a huge play, especially in that moment. Um, you know, but I have that faith in him. I know what he can do out there. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a game-changing play. Santi with a nice feed to Bo and then the old 360 for a tough double play. This team known for their offense, but how impressed were you by the way you guys played D tonight? That's awesome. I mean, you know, to, to, to win in this league, to win in this division, you know, you have to do stuff like that. And, you know, that's just a huge, absolutely huge play by Bo right there. Huge play by Santi. I mean, it's just a huge play overall. Huge plays uh, at the plate by George Springer. Limited at-bats, short in spring. How are you feeling? Where are you at as far as your timing and your swing right now? Uh, I mean, I feel okay, you know. I'm just trying to do, do what I can in the moment, and, you know, I move on. Um, you know, I just want to hit the ball hard and you know, help the team win. Before I let you go, Alec Manoa, six innings, gave up just the one hit with seven strikeouts. It is not easy to pitch in this ballpark with these people yelling at you. How, how impressed were you the way he navigated that lineup? I mean, it's who he is. I mean, he, he never lets anything bother him. You know, he, he tends to live for these moments. I mean, he made his major league, you know, debut here, and, he, you know, he played well. So, it's, I mean, it's who he is. I mean, he has it in him, and, he, you know, I love it. Listen, they only boo the good ones. You know that, right? George Springer, congratulations. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. George Springer, of course, hearing it from the Yankees fans because of his part in the, well, in addition to being a visiting player, because of his part in the Houston Astros uh, scandal as well. Although, as as we know, the New York Yankees are certainly not uh, completely clean when it comes to yeah. to that aspect of the game. It was yeah. funny. I always think anytime I, I, I hear players talk about crowds in Yankee Stadium I think of Vernon Wells Vernon Wells used to hear it all the time and Vernon Wells in Kevin this is probably no surprise Vernon Wells can have a pretty he, he can have a pretty sharp tongue and he'd just give it back to them and have fun with them and by, I swear to God by the end of every game he'd run off and they'd be giving him a stand you know they'd be giving him an ovation he'd tip his cap because Vernon learned to to play along with it yeah, I'm not sure that they're booing George Springer because of what happened with Houston. I think they're booing him because he's not a Yankee. That That's what it is. He signed with the Blue Jays instead of coming and signing with the Yankees. You know, how nice would he look if you're a Yankees fan and leading off for the New York Yankees look pretty good. So I'm, a, I'm sure that it's probably a little of both, but I would guess if you really ask fans, it's probably more of the latter than it is the, the trash can thing. No, I think it's more the trash can. He was going to go to the Mets. He was going to go to the Mets. He wasn't going to go to the Yankees. He was going to go to the Mets. Yeah, absolutely, it's a trash can thing. 100% mm. it's the trash can thing. I mean, if you talk to George, George hears it in almost every city they go to that, you know, that has that, that grudge with, with the Astros. And, uh, I mean, that's something he's just going to have to – it's something he's going to have to put up with. Uh, but, yeah, uh, George Springer doesn't – George Springer doesn't care. George Springer doesn't care what people are, you know, the, uh, about fans booing. Um, he's going to go out and do do what he does. Uh, four games in, Charlie's pretty much stuck with the same lineup. With you know, we've talked about the couple of changes at the bottom of the order. Obviously, uh, things will have to look a little different. I would think with uh, with Danny Jansen out for for at least ten days. Uh, 
but there's no doubt, is there, Kevin, that that the top four are going to stay this way? Like that's not that that's not changing. Yeah, well, I would think it only only Bo and Vladdy would switch if, if something was they were start to struggling and. You know, and, and Bo was going south in a hurry, and Vladdy maybe needed to, to move up in the order, but I'm with you. You know, one through four is – you can throw Lourdes in there too. One through five, you know, his bats are really good, mm-hmm. except except uh, the leadoff double from Teoscar. I thought he might have should have tried to at least move the runner over close games on the road. Yep. You know, your, 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 your starting pitching has been struggling a little bit, not Alec Manoa, but, you know, the more runs you get for a guy, the little easier it makes to – to attack the zone, some you know, I was thinking he might have tried to move the runner a little bit better than than he actually did. But yeah, for me, the, the lineup has nothing to do with anything that that the outcome of the season's lineup is going to dominate people. It's the it's the pitching, you know, the, the rotation. There's a couple of guys in there that that you're still wondering what they're going to give you. You say Kikuchi tomorrow for me. Where's the velocity at? Is he is he able to just flip a switch on and all of a sudden it's 95 to 98? It's coming out hot. I do know that Petey's trying to get him to have a more aggressive finish. Like he wants him to get after it a little bit. Like you're going to see some grunting and some, you know, the, the life at the very end of that, that release point is going to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think that's going to help with the velocity. I think that's going to help a little bit more movement, maybe some more location. Maybe that throws some hitters off the timing off a little bit more, but yeah, it's for me. You got you know, there's I think the the core of the bullpen, the guys that you know you think Charlie trust, I think they're good enough. You know, if Jordan Romano goes down, is Jimmy Garcia good enough to close for a month? Ah, not real sure about that. They may have to go out and make a move. Hopefully that doesn't happen because Jordan Romano seems like he's figured it out. I, I laughed when I saw him running in from the bullpen. He's basically walking now. Like, like it's his show. You're waiting on me. I'm coming to mm-hmm. get you out. That's kind of cool to watch. So, still for me, you know, the defense has gotten – good enough uh mark budzinski and louis rivera they're doing their thing right the defensive we, we mentioned that uh, we saw uh, you know a couple of throws from the outfield that weren't very good we didn't see any of that we saw better defense tonight we saw the infield defense was really good they make they make game to game adjustments that they have to make on that side of the ball for me it's about how good you can pitch can your starting pitching hide some woes that you don't want to use out of your bullpen if they can do that they're going to be real good should make a Trevor Richards tonight. I I think he's not good enough to pitch from behind. Every hitter he faced, he he was pitching from behind. He's not good enough to do that. For for the changeup to be as good as it's supposed to be, and the way we've seen it, he has to pitch ahead. Strike one is more important to him than most people out of that bullpen because he doesn't throw very hard. It's 93. Doesn't look like it has a ton of life to it. I know he tries to elevate it. He tries to go up a little bit with the fastball. He tries to go in a little bit to righties with the fastball to make the change up that much better because you have to open up your hip to catch up to, you know, a decent heater. But he's got to pitch ahead. When he doesn't pitch ahead, it's probably most of the time going to look like it was tonight. We mentioned Adam Simber as well coming in and doing what Adam Simber does, and I think as Ben Wagner made the point in the broadcast, you know the uh, it, it's pretty clear why the Blue Jays have so much so much confidence in 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 Adam Simber. It's just you you kind of know that things aren't going to get aren't going to go pear shaped. 
Yeah, I think for most of the time, right? Again, it's it's most of the time guys have to come out of bullpens and even starting pitchers. Most of the guys have to strike one. It, why everybody preaches strike one, it makes secondary pitches better, and it puts – doubt in the hitter's mind. Now when you throw strike one, you make a quality pitch like that, most hitters take educated guesses. There's so many stats now and you can basically eliminate guessing, but a lot of it is now you're putting doubt in their mind of what's coming now. You know, it's 0-1 instead of 1-0. That's a big pitch, you know, right? So you're not chasing as much when it's when it's 1-0 than it is 0-1 and puts that hitter on his heels, and that's what you want to do as a pitcher. Most of these guys coming out of the Jays' bullpen, there's the obvious names that are have enough power that they get away from not throwing strike one, but most of the guys out of that pen got to pitch ahead. Throw strikes, attack the zone, make the hitter beat you. If you do that, you're going to give yourself a chance because the defense behind you is good enough to get most people out. 416-870-0590, star 590 Zero five ninety. The Jays three nothing winners over the New York Yankees in the Bronx. Game two of this four game series goes tomorrow night. You say Kikuchi will be on the mound for the Blue Jays. Kevin's already talked a little bit about Kikuchi. What are you expecting to see from him? What do you need to see from you say Kikuchi going into this game? The numbers are four one six eight eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety one triple eight triple six. 0590. You had an interesting conversation with C.J. Nitkowski, or we did, Kevin, earlier today on Blair and Barker, where we talked about the whole concept of the dead arm and um, how you say Kikuchi's agent suggested that it was something that he suffered from last year. We talked about how the velocity in spring training wasn't what we thought it would be. I've said, and I think you're, you're on the same page with me, to a certain degree, that I'm not going to make any judgments on starting pitchers until I see them after a couple of outings just because of the nature of, 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 of spring training and how compressed it was. I, I will admit, though, I don't know, and maybe this is because I, I didn't see enough of, of Kikuchi pitch last year even when he was, he was going well. I don't know what to expect from him tomorrow. I, I know what what will what will tell you early that okay, this is velocity, you know. velocity. That's an easy one. Velocity. I, I have talked to Vladdy. I have talked to Bo. I have talked to Teoscar about Kikuchi last year early in the season. They said they were, he was the best pitcher they faced. Really, that, that will that will tell you how good his stuff was when it's high octane velocity that he had, and he could bore the the cutter in, and the difference in the cutter was about ten or eleven miles an hour. That's a huge difference. Now, when his fastball is ninety two, ninety three, and the cutter's eighty eight, and it's four or five miles an hour difference, that's a BP heater. So that's that's going to be a big deal. But I know Petey's moved him on the rubber a little bit. They're eliminating a little bit of the cutter. He'll throw it, but not throw it as much. He'll use more secondary pitches. But for me, it's about pitching in to righties, and it's about velocity. If he's got that, if he doesn't have dead arm, now, again, this is a conversation that they're real scary to talk about. I've, I've asked, uh, you know, can you can you have dead arm for a very long period of time. Because I will say this, whenever I was watching the game against the Phillies and Bryce Harper went back leg city on a 92-mile-an-hour fastball, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if you can't get excited and pumped up to face Bryce Harper, who's an MVP and a future Hall of Famer, 
Who are you going to get pumped up against? You should at least say, here's my best heater. He's your best heater, 92 miles an hour. So that was, to me, when I was watching that, that was the scary part of that. You asked me the question, what would I be looking for? It ain't all the secondary pitches. It ain't all that other stuff. It's about velocity. If he's got it, he'll be okay against the Yankees. He can get it in there. They'll, you've, they've shown you that they have to cheat a little bit to get to some good velocity. If he doesn't have it, he's basically Ryu. Mm-hmm. You've seen how that goes. When you throw 90 and you're left-handed to a bunch of power-hitting righties, your your mechanics and your location almost have to be perfect. You're adding, subtracting with pitches and location almost have to be so perfect that, you know, it's almost humanly impossible. And hopefully you can I, I just don't know if this rotation can handle two lefties like that. That's that's my point. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very good point. And, you know, something we, I think, I'm sure the Jays are – they have to be thinking about as well. Look, it, it, it's one thing to have one guy in your rotation that you're you sort of have to be picky with, and pick and choose the spots carefully. You can get away with that. Uh, you can get away with having to give Hyunjin Ryu an extra day's rest. You know that's why God invented guys like Ross Stripling. You can you can figure that out. You can put that together. But boy, oh boy, it's awfully hard if you've got two pitchers that you have to. I'm going to say game plan against. That sounds a lot more negative than I mean it to be. But I think you know what what I mean. If you've got two guys where you have to say, Dad, do we really want that guy facing this team? If you got to do that with two guys, that's uh, that, that, that can run it's you into be, trouble, especially real ch- when you're playing 20 games in a row. It's going to be a real challenge to have spot stars from Anthony K., Trent Thornton, and, and Ross Stripling and think you're going to win the American League East or make the playoffs, even with the expanded playoffs. It's just going to be hard. There's there's too many good teams in the American League East. The American League is top-heavy. There, there's a, there's yeah. a bunch of teams that are fighting, you know, for, for certain spots, and – if you don't have good starting pitching, it's going to be real tough. And this is my point is I, I, I think you'll be fine. I think Petey will, will do enough and, and have moved him around on the rubber enough to, to set angles and, and tunnel enough and, you know, have a good enough finish, force the finish. That's, I think, where he's going to add, you know, add some extra velocity. But only time will tell. We will know tomorrow. If you can't get pumped up for pitching in Yankee Stadium, then – I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's any help for you. I, I think it's that that's that's where you're going to see it. If you're going to see velocity, that's when you're going to see it. Is tomorrow. We had Mar- Marley Rivera on earlier today, and we were talking about the Yankees, the Yankees uh, lineup, and how there will always be an odd man out. Today it was Isaiah Kiner Falafa because they frankly have too many infielders for all those positions, even with a, a DH. We've seen this team an awful lot. I'm going to give you some names. Josh Donaldson, DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres. I mentioned Isaiah Kiner, Falafa. Who is going to be hurt the most, do you think, if the Yankees are forced into a situation as they are where they're rotating guys through? Anthony Rizzo's going to play every day. The outfielders, Judge Stanton and Hicks, probably going to play every day. I mean, they're, they're limited, and there's Gallo. They're limited opportunities. I'm sorry, Stanton's a DH. And that's the other thing. Stanton's your DH. So they're limited opportunities to get all those guys into the lineup. Now, obviously, injuries can happen. 
but if the Yankees are healthy, one of those players is going to have to sit uh, and may not even make it off the bench in a game. Who does that hurt out of that group? Glaber Torres would be my guess. DJ, yeah. DJ LeMahieu, they paid him a ton of money. He's going to play. He's going to play consistently, not if every day. He's going to play six days a week. Uh, Josh Donaldson, look, why, how would you not play Josh Donaldson every single day? Why would Josh Donaldson have a day off? It's the third, fourth, fifth game of the season. Why, already? I mean, I know he's a little older, but you brought him over there to play and get off to a hotter start. I, I Listen, I know they have a plan with older guys, and like you said, they're trying to rotate a bunch of people in. But the only way you consistently get your your consistent lineup hot is to play them. Like, get, get a lineup, set it for two weeks in a row, and then make some adjustments. Like, these guys need rest already? That That's so – you know, it, this this is, again, this is why, you know, the, the athleticism and the consistent play at each position with the New York Yankees will sometimes make you scratch your head a little bit because Conor Faleff is a good defender. I mean, I know he's had some hiccups. Marley told us that he'd missed some balls because he was a little nervous. Yankee Stadium playing shortstop. It's not the easiest thing to handle. Put guys in positions, leave them there for a little while. Let, let them get comfortable. Let them get in the flow of the season. And then – Start giving some guys day off, but they're already, you know, starting to mix and match, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just a lot to ask lineups to consistently get hot, stay hot for long periods of time if they're always mixing and matching. Well, we've had our say about Alec Manoa. Uh, let's see what Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, said about Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays pitchers tonight. Aaron, what made Manoa so tough this evening? You know, he's been tough on us every time we faced him. You know, I, I remember seeing him uh, in Dunedin last year for the first time before he had made the club. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of – he's at our number to this point. Um, you know, he's got that late movement on the fastball. I don't think he made a lot of mistakes with his secondary today. And, you know, it's just tough to mount mount much against him. He was off our barrel a lot. And, uh, you know, we had the one – good opportunity where where he where he walks some guys where we gave ourselves a chance and Bichette makes a pretty special play in the hole I thought and then you know later on I thought Donaldson did a good job of you know shooting Simber the other way and our other good scoring opportunity and, and Espinal made a really good play so they made a couple big plays when they did get in trouble but for the most part Manoa Manoa's in control. Interesting Aaron Boone saying he thinks that Alec Manoa we Let's not overcook this, Kevin. He, he, he said, so far, Alec Manoa appears to have our number. Talk to me about what he, he said about staying away from our barrels. Yeah, Bo- Booney was all over that. You know, a lot of the times when managers talk like that, they, they say they're, that a pitcher's misses are really good. That's basically Explain what he said. That. Well, the sinker, when he did miss, is in off the plate. There's nothing you can do with that. Even if you swing at it, you're going to jam yourself. You, you know, you, you saw Giancarlo Stanton do that. You saw a couple of other guys not have really good swings because they're basically swinging at balls. And when he missed with his slider, he missed with his slider. It wasn't down the middle. It wasn't a hanging mixer, thigh high, middle away to a right-handed hitter where you could use that little short porch in right field. That's what Booney was talking about. And that that's what makes that tough is, it, you know, he's, he's – Alec – I will say whenever he is not in the flow and not where he wants to be with a certain pitch, he makes up for it by aggressiveness with the heater. He can elevate it, and it has it's heavy, 
and it's got late life to it. And when you get a bunch of righties in there who are trying to get the head out and step in the buck, you saw Stanton. He was uncomfortable all night. He was weird looking from the lower half just because he either wasn't picking it up out of the hand or he knew that thing boring in on his hands. Even at 93, 94 miles an hour, it's possible to keep fair, you know, and he'll break his bats like crazy. So hmm. Alec Manoa is re- basically what Booney's saying is Alec Manoa is really good. That's that's what it comes down to is even though he doesn't have his good stuff, he still has quality misses, and when he has to, he makes a good pitch. And that's exactly what we saw. Right, and Aaron Boone also talking about the defense that we saw from Bo Bichette tonight, and we, we commented on that. Bo normally has really good games against the Yankees. We've talked about how how good he has been at uh, at Yankee Stadium. And, and Kevin, early in the season, small sample size, since that home run, uh, he has gone, quick math here, Jeff, for six. He is 0 for 11 with three, four, five, six, six strikeouts. I guess small sample size. Mm-hmm. I, I get all that. What are you seeing from Bo in these past couple of games? Yeah, well, Jameson Tyon tonight was the elevated fastball. You could tell was giving Bo some some trouble. It's, so with Blatty, Blatty, I think hit about what he what he hit four oh eight on elevated fastballs last year. He's really good at it because he's got a nice level swing, and Blatty can hit every pitch on planet Earth. It just seemed like Tyon was in a little bit of a groove. He would flip it, which is slow to control bat speed. He would elevate the heater, and for whatever reason, Bo just. Bo's got a lot of parts. You're going to see things like this. When the parts, the moving all around, you know, a couple of times the TV shot was from the side, and you could tell Bo wasn't getting the foot down on time. He was fouling that ball of the first base dugout. That would normally tell you for whatever reason that just, you know, all the parts aren't starting all at the same time. And when you don't get it in an athletic position where you want to fire your hands at the target, you tend to be late or you chase. And that's sort of what Bo's doing now. you got to remember, too, Jeff, he's facing big league pitching. Yep. And the book and the book's out now that these these dudes are really good. Bo and Vladdy ain't sneaking up on nobody no more, you know. And you got a game plan, and now it's up to Bo and Vladdy to make some adjustments, stop expanding. You know, I've mentioned this to you before that Vladdy they're trying to get him out in off the plate and away off the plate. They're trying to let him get himself out because they yeah, know we saw they that we saw one of those Vladdy at bats his last at bat the 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 strikeout was it was it Marinacci who. Yeah, um, Marinaccio, who, who who threw it. Notice, that, that was like Vladdy of a couple of years ago. Notice, oh, Jesus. notice where the catcher sits up against Vladdy. A right-handed pitcher on the mound. The catcher sets up in off the plate. That's a ball. They want to start it in there because they know if they leave it on the plate, Vladdy's going to hammer that thing, and they think he's very aggressive and he wants to do something good, and he'll get himself out, and now it's up to Vladdy and Bo to make some adjustments. I, can you be worried about those two guys? I can't. Like, it's – you know, but Bo's a, a work in progress, and it's a lot of everything happening. And Vladdy mm-hmm. is Vladdy. And the first guy you're going to game plan for whenever you face the Blue Jays is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, it's, uh, as we said, it's a small sample size. And Barker's absolutely right. Uh, you know, they are facing they are facing big league, league pitching. And, uh, you know, Tyon today was solid. He's solid at. Man, I just, you know, I look at that team, Kevin, and and I just don't, I have a really hard time seeing them as being 
anywhere as good as the Blue Jays or the Rays. And I'm not just saying this after one game. I, I've said this before. I, I, I think all four teams in the AL East have a shot at making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I look at the Yankees, and if they don't get – if if Luis Severino doesn't have a monster year for them, I can see this team being in. Yeah, I could I could see them being in third, and with a little daylight between them and the Jays. I just there are too many flaws, and it looks to me at times, Kevin, as if they are really easy to pitch to. Yeah, maybe you know I I think they have a really good lineup. I think the ballpark helps them. I think Garrett Cole is one of the best pitchers on planet Earth. I think they got a really good bullpen. Uh, I think they mix and match way too much. Their lineup is mm-hmm. not very consistent. I think their defense is not very athletic. Aaron Hicks in center field will help a ton. He covers ground. That takes a little pressure off Aaron Judge to not have to cover so much ground. So that'll help. But, again, it's it's about, you know, I'm with you. What are you going to get from Severino and then a cast of characters? You know, the the cast of characters can't match up with the other big time three teams. Maybe the maybe the Red Sox, but the Blue Jays. I guess you know what we've seen so far from the Blue Jays is not the best of pitching, but I would match those guys up against anybody other than Garrett Cole with the Yankees. So, look, it's it's still the New York Yankees, and they're going to have they're going to be right there at the end of the season like the other three teams. Nobody, I don't think, is going to run away from this thing. And it's going to take, uh, you know, if, if say I'll say this: if Garrett Cole gets hurt, then I'm with you. I, I, mm-hmm. I could see, I could see there's some separation there. But if he's healthy all year, for me, the Yankees are going to be right there at the end of the year. So again, just to wrap things up tonight, the Blue Jays beating the New York Yankees three nothing, and the Jays are three and one. Game two of that four game series will go tomorrow night. First pitches at seven oh five. In the Bronx, a little bit of news surrounding the Blue Jays today. Danny Jansen went on the injured list, or the uh, yeah, went in the IL with a left oblique strain. He's out for at least ten days. The uh, Jays ran ran him through a bunch of checks today at, at at Yankee Stadium before before putting him in the IL. Tyler Heineman and Anthony Kay have been called up. Tyler Sacedo has been optioned. Josh Palacios has been DFA'd by the Blue Jays. Zach Collins, for now, still on the roster. He dh today. And, of course, Bradley Zimmer as well, also on the roster. But in the absence of uh, Danny Jansen, it stands to reason that Alejandro Kirk is going to get much more work behind the plate early than we may have originally anticipated. And, Kevin, in some way, you know, well, let's see. You know, we've talked about there's not much doubt that Alejandro Kirk's bat is here. Uh, there's not much doubt that it was here last year. I think a lot of us thought that bat arrived in the majors last year. But uh, let's see what else he can bring. Let's see what else he can bring to the situation, to the situation here, getting a steady run of starts behind the plate. And also, <clears throat> another little bit of news insofar as the American League East is concerned, the Tampa Bay Rays, who already put Ryan Yarborough on the 10-day I.L., had to take Luis Patino out of his start tonight with the left oblique injury. So, Kevin, one of the things we will be monitoring early in the season is pitching injuries because of the compressed spring spring training, because of the fact that even though guys are in great shape now and they've got access to all this modern medicine and everything, uh, this different spring could 
there, it, it could lead to some early concerns for pitching injuries. Yeah, it almost might come down to who has, who has the best lineup, who can outscore and outbop, and you may see some 10-8 to eight games. That, that, that may be what this comes down to, because how many teams have depth, have that much depth that if – you know, the Blue Jays have that much depth. Say say a Barrios goes down for a month. Say a Gosman goes down for a month. They really have that much they can fill in and not miss a beat. I don't think so. So you may see some high-scoring games, which would be fun to watch. That is it for us again. The Toronto Blue Jays beating the New York Yankees 3-0. Alec Manoa with an absolute gem tonight. George Springer supplied the offense. Bo Bichette supplied the defense. Game two is tomorrow night. 705. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball. Served up by the always game ready Jack's Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.